Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast. My name is Jill Schilb, and I have thoroughly been enjoying providing a place for people to share their stories of how God has pursued them and set them free from the grip of sin and death. This interview with Derek was almost a full circle moment as he was heavenly influenced by his friend Bobby, whom I interviewed in episode 9. Derek and Bobby were party buddies until Bobby met Jesus. Derek shares his initial perspective on Bobby's conversion to Christianity. You'll get to hear of how Derek finally ended up trusting in Jesus too, and how it changed his life. I hope you enjoy Derek's story. Derek, thank you so much for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. So the way I love to start out the podcast is by hearing the beginning of someone's story. So mm-hmm. tell me about what your environment was like as a kid, adolescent, sure. as far as your Christian environment. Sure. Or, sorry, your religious environment. Yeah. So I grew up somewhat as a kind of pseudo only child. My siblings are 10 and 13 years older. So my parents were a little bit older when they had me. So it just kind of felt like I was an only child in a lot of ways. Uh, but we grew up, and my parents grew up the same way, in a home where you were basically Catholic, and that's just how things were, and that's just what you did, that's how you live, that's just how you operated. And so we grew up Catholic, and I went to Catholic school K through 2, and then transitioned to public school after that. And so we would go to Mass on Sundays, and then probably when I was between 8 and 10, we stopped going to Sunday Mass. And then we became the you know traditional holiday Catholics where we'd be going on Easter and in Christmas. And then sometime my early teen years, maybe even before then, uh, we just stopped going entirely. And so the impact that that had on me was very insignificant, to be honest. It was just very minor. Um, my faith was non-existent. There was just nothing there. And I didn't get really anything out of it. And so... Um, that was the environment I grew up in and just, that's all I knew up until I came to cars where mm-hmm. we're at now. Okay. So. Um, so what, what kind of identities then did you have, um, in the early part of your life? Yeah. Um, so without getting into a ton of detail about just my experience with the Catholic church, I, I just feel like the identity that I was brought up with was one of, uh, just workspace righteousness. And I was expected to do this, this, and this, and behave this way, and act like this, and do this in school, and that's how things were. And was that and, more for your parents? Um, it was, but it was just the culture that okay. kind of grew up into, just okay. the the families, the the neighbors, just everything that I was around growing up. Um, so that's just what I grew up in, and so I think early on that had a pretty significant impact on me. And as it will go, as the trend will kind of develop, as you know, we'll talk more, I feel like I've alternated and maybe overcompensated over the years, uh, going back between struggling with approval and then overcompensating and spending seasons struggling with comfort. And I just go back and forth. And I think growing up, um, it was a, a form of approval that I was just wrestling with, that I was just living in that I didn't really realize until I got to college. Mm-hmm. So. So what was your college experience like? Uh, very different from okay. my, <laughs> my adolescent experience. So um, I kind of got into uh, in drinking 
at an early age um, in later high school years. And it was opportunistic. It wasn't ever anything we were doing, you know, with any sort of regularity. It was just, you know, party this night. Um, and so I got a little taste of that before college. But then when college hit, freedom was just experienced in a totally new way. And so I didn't have to check in with parents. I didn't have to be home at any certain time. I could drink in my living room. I didn't have to go to these parties and wait for these um you know, opportune moments to access that. And so I shifted really heavily into this life of just kind of not necessarily apathy, but not really caring about consequences and just kind of doing what I wanted to do. Um, and that looks like drinking usually five, six nights a week heavily and staying up late partying. Um, my roommates and I eventually started smoking marijuana and we're even selling that for a period. Um, and so that was just my life throughout almost my entire college experience. Um, five, six nights a week, drinking, smoking or both. Mm -hmm. And that's what I knew. And it was comfortable. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, accessible. It was easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked it. Yeah. In that college life that you were living, did you have looking back any way that you can see that God was pursuing you during that time? Bits and pieces. And things really um, ramped up quite a bit when Bobby got saved. And so went to high school with Bobby. We went to, not the same college, but he was just down the road in Fulton. And so we saw each other quite a bit still. And we were really good friends throughout all of college. And so we would drink and party with him quite a bit. And we were actually in St. Louis for one of my good friend's 21st birthday parties. And, um, we, we drove there. This, we had this great idea to drive there from Columbia and spend all night in St. Louis drinking and drive home. That was the plan, which was, you know, genius. Of course. Um, I was only 20 at the time and Bobby had just, uh, been 21. I guess he had just turned 21 a couple months before. Anyways, we stayed up till two, 3 AM at bars drinking. And on the way home, Bobby got a DWI and, I know you've talked with him and you've heard his story, but he got saved that next morning and I was one of the first persons he called and talked to. And so I think that was the moment where God started to try to pull at me. And I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I was weirded out and something was going on and I knew that, uh, but I didn't know what to make of it. And so after he got saved, there was this two year period where in a sense, I was kind of, again, coming back on the other to the other side of the spectrum where what had happened was a little bit of sobering up for me. Um, the drinking stayed there. The drug use stopped. And I was in this kind of state of limbo of really not really sure what to make of what he was going through while still respecting him and wanting to be you know close with him um, for a couple of years. And so that was a very strange time because I could tell God was doing something, but I didn't know that, of course, at the time. I just knew something was happening and I didn't know what to make of it. And mm -hmm. so that was really when I first felt the tugs, yeah. <laughs> the, the pursuit. Now, did you have certain feelings at that time? Like, were you frustrated or angry at Bobby or were you annoyed or like oh, what kind of man. feelings did you have that were yeah. associated with that? I think it was more of like, dude, just leave me alone. Please, like, uh -huh. please stop talking about this. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think I was really frustrated with him. I think, you know, we've had some really like intimate, tender moments over the years of sharing like hurts that we've experienced with one another. And I think a really significant moment we had was about a year or so into him being a believer. We hung out one night and he shared something with me that just I didn't realize was happening. And it basically sum it up was when we're with friends, I like to make him the butt of the joke and lean into that. And that was really hurting him. And he just had never told me that before. And that was really eye opening. Um, I had no idea that was happening that I was do. I didn't even see that that was taking place. Um, but it really shook me. And I think that was one of the more significant like steps in the process to saying, okay, something's going on. I need to start listening. Um, and so that was a key moment in, you know, so on and so forth eventually started attending, uh, on Sundays per him hassling the absolute mess out of me and my girlfriend that I was living with at the time and finally started coming. And then God started really taking hold of my heart. Yeah. So what kind of messages were you hearing? Um, or was it through church that God started working or yeah. was it the sermons you were hearing? What, yeah. what eventually a combination. brought you to it? Yeah. I mean, this gospel that I heard was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And it, it, when I was younger, I mean, chalk it up to me being, you know, not paying attention, being seven years old, chalk it up to whatever you want. This gospel message I had not heard before. This message that there's grace, there's forgiveness, that you're not called to be perfect, that you're called to trust in the one who is. That was something that escaped me, that I was just caught caught up in, captivated by, and just caught my attention. And so I think it was a combination of that and then just Bobby's continued pursuit, um, him bringing other guys like Rob, uh, like Kevin in, and just really pursuing the heck out of me, mm-hmm. just never giving up. Yeah. So then did you have a moment or was it more gradual where yeah. where you finally were like, oh, okay, this is it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a light bulb moment, but it's probably more of one than it is a just like gradual process. So I had graduated from school in December of 2008 and I had started coming to cars that August. So I'd been coming for a few months and these guys had again been pursuing me and I'd been hearing this message that was, that was new, that was drawing me in. And I graduated school and could not find work. And was applying everywhere I could possibly apply. And this was at the time where the economy really tanked (laughs) that month, the month after. And I think that was no coincidence. I think it was God in part using that to to draw me and to cement what I was hearing um, to further focus my eyes on him. Um, But I remember having this series of, I don't know if you want to call them dreams or nightmares. They weren't scary in the sense of like fearful, me being fearful, but I would have these dreams and I just wasn't sleeping for a couple of weeks where I was just sleeping, but staring into just nothing. It just, I just remember kind of like the surroundings behind me, I could see them in my peripheral vision, but in front of me, it was just nothing, just darkness, just blank. Um, and I think God really scared me and woke me up with that, showing me that this life that I had been living 
there was nothing in it. There's no purpose. There's no point. And that scared me. That made me not want that. That made me want something better. That made me want what I think he was getting me to see the whole time, that there's so much more to live for. And there's so much more joy to be had. There's so much purpose to be found in life through him. And so this, you know, season, whatever you want to call it, uh, took place that winter, winter of 08, 09. Mm-hmm. And he really drew me in. Yeah. That time. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, so I, was, I have interviewed Brooke Bartlett. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I know you were working with her at right. Cracker Barrel right. during this season. Yeah. Um, what, uh, and she said that your changing really impacted her. What changing was that? Yeah. Um, so I was pretty much all in from the get-go. Like once I became convinced that what this gospel message that I was hearing wasn't just interesting, but it was real, um, I just kind of jumped in. Um, I was just reading everything I could get. Um, I really h- severed ties hard with my old group of friends that I was, you know, doing life with before drinking, partying. Um, and pretty much stopped talking to those guys and actually in an unhealthy way in which I had to kind of like come back to afterwards and repent of. But, um, I got out of that lifestyle. Um, I ended the relationship I was in with my girl, my girlfriend that we were, we were living together at the time. I moved out of that into an apartment with a couple guys, uh, with Bobby and Michael and just started changing my life. And I committed my life to the Lord. I, I started, uh, you know, again, coming every Sunday, being involved in, in our small groups, um, being talking with Kevin, with Rob about uh, possibly doing internship um, stuff, which I ended up doing, you know, a little bit down the road. So, yeah, Brooke kind of had a front row picture of all this because the whole time we were working at Cracker Rail together. And um, I think she was in a similar boat where she was probably working full time and I was too. Um, during the season. So yeah, she probably had a pretty interesting <laughs> perspective of, of that whole season of life for me. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, so what has your walk then as a believer look like? How has um, Christ walked with you um, during some of the struggles yeah. that you've experienced as a believer? And yeah. what, were, what are some of those struggles and how has he walked with you in them? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It, so as I said, I jumped in pretty much in the deep end in I think what that did in an unhealthy way was kind of revert to some of those childhood mentalities of, Hey, this is my life now. And this is what it looks like. It's rigid. It's structured. If I don't do this, I, you know, I'm in sin and I'm going to like whip my back until I get it. And so I think the early struggles were ones of having this sort of rigidity, this sort of like no space for grace for myself. And that really stifled my relationship with the Lord. I think there's a lot of um, really rich, um, good things about those first couple years in the faith. There's also a lot of really unhelpful, unhealthy memories of me just but not <laughs> just accepting the grace that he was trying to shove down my throat and wanting to do it my way, wanting to earn it, wanting to be that worthy son instead of worshiping the worthy son. Mm-hmm. So. That was the struggle early on um, that lasted for a few years. Um, and then I had a pretty significant breakthrough at a group counseling session that I went to about year three or four of, of being a believer. 
um, I just realized through some really helpful, wise, sharp counsel that it is finished. And I had read it, you know, time and time again. But realizing that, realizing that I didn't have to live for anyone's approval, be it myself, um, my close relationships, my family, I was free to live for Christ. And he had done it all for me. And I didn't have to do that. Um, it was a very freeing experience. And so, yeah, early on, approval was uh, my king. It was my, you know, idol. It was the, the, the throne that I worshipped at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I know you've also mentioned how comfort has been a big. Yeah. So you've got the approval yeah. compared with the comfort. Yeah. How has comfort then played out as a believer? Yeah. So I just can't figure this out. It's it's amazing. No, I, <laughs> I just feel like it's just one of those things where I expect this sort of pendulum swinging to be something that I wrestle with, um, you know, my days here and that's okay. But when we had a good friend, Jake Gonzalez have this just out of the blue, um, heart struggle about it's almost four years ago now, which is hard to believe. Um, but back in 2015, he went into the hospital and there were 10 times where it seemed like that was the end. And we were very close with Jake and Allie um, at the time. And it was incredibly difficult, to put it mildly, to, to walk through that with them. Um, Charlie was pregnant with Lucy. And when Jake got moved to Barnes in St. Louis, I mean, there were times where she'd be seven months pregnant, leaving our house at 3 a.m. to drive to try to just be there for Allie when things looked really bleak. Um, and that had a really uh, just significant toll on me. And I think it sinfully made me want to detach emotionally from getting close, from caring to that extent. Um, and on the tail end of that, like strangely, when Jake started um, having more stability, more improvement, more just, I don't know, life breathe back into him. Um, I entered a really tough season that, that winter was probably one of the hardest seasons of, of my walk, um, just really struggling with apathy, with not wanting to even just get up, uh, not wanting to just do anything, not wanting to believe certainly, but not wanting to just give any sort of emotional engagement to anything. And so I think comfort again, sunk its teeth in, and it's been something that, um, I've been able to step out of the seasons of just struggling with, with deep sadness, with, you know, depression, like feelings. Um, but I still have these tendencies where I feel scared to, to want to engage to that level of, uh, again. And I know it's had an impact on our marriage, on our, our family, our walk. Um, but that's mm-hmm. that's been the, the big thing last right. years. Right. So kind of when you engage that deeply and feeling the loss that was so uncomfortable for you that you just didn't right. want to connect in that right. way. Yeah. Or make yourself that vulnerable to right. that experience. Yeah. It just reminded me of these ways where life doesn't have to be that painful. Right. Um, and I have other outlets, you know, sinfully that I can pursue that, that leave me in a place where I'm not vulnerable in those right. ways. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's been the, the struggle. And so how sense. has Christ helped you fight that? What is he, what, how has Christ walked with you in that? And, um, how is he changing your perspective about that or yeah. changing you in that? 
Um, I think he's changed through some really persistent friends and a wife um, who cares um, and has been patient. And I mean, there's just so many nights during the, that season of life, even when you know Lucy's three, four months old, where it was hard for me to just get up. And she recognized that and she loved me through that. And there was a lot of space given um, to me during that season to, to walk through that. Um, and in more recent times since then, Dan Glosson has been uh, really instrumental in just being there, just being persistent to pursue me, to recognize the times where, hey, it seems like you're quiet, but there's probably more going on. So why don't we just like sit down and talk about that? Um, God has placed those kinds of relationships, the Dan's, the Bobby's, the, you know, the Kevin's in my life to pursue me through these Mm -hmm. struggles and just really (laughs) remind me that there's something so much better to be had, that this pain, the vulnerability that's there is worth it Mm -hmm. because it means everything. Mm -hmm. It means the world. It means Christ. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so the last question, um, I always like to end with this question. Mm-hmm. Why are you glad you follow Jesus? Why am I glad I follow Jesus? I, I have a life that matters. Mm-hmm. It, it means something. We're not just here temporarily for <laughs> laughs and giggles and just this and that, but we're here for eternal significance to glorify our God, to live in a way that honors him. And further, we get to spend eternity with him. And that brings me a great amount of joy. Um, so just having meaning, having something that I don't have to stare into this sea of darkness, but I have this this kingdom waiting um, brings me a lot of joy, brings me a lot of peace. Yeah, that's great. Um, Derek, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a great story of God's goodness and grace. I hope you were encouraged again by the impact that friends can make on one another and the value of a loving community. Derek mentioned three people I've interviewed so far, Bobby, his wife Charlie, and Brooke. I highly recommend you go back and listen to those if you haven't already. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to follow and not miss an episode is to subscribe. Listen to an encouraging story each week. Thanks for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.